Dig into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. I'm your host, Brian O'Grady. With me, as always, my co-host, Justin Ayers. Jay, what's going on, dude? How you doing? I'm great, man. Uh, you know, horrific, horrifically sunburned. I went to the National <laughs> Phillies game for Father's Day weekend. Didn't didn't even think about putting sunblock on. I have like a sunglasses tan now. I don't know if you could see that. Uh, just just embarrassing. So and the Nationals lost in extra innings. So it was it was a double whammy, and my face hurts. So uh, the vibes are aren't great. You know, sunblock is very important. I always go back to there's a tweet from uh, Chaps from from Barstool, um, where he said something about about sunscreen. And someone else tweeted back at him, like calling him a pussy for using sunscreen. And he quote tweeted it and said, imagine thinking you're tougher than the sun, the fucking sun. And it's like one of the most liked tweets of all time, I'm pretty sure. And that's hysterical. So that's what I always think about when I don't put sunscreen on anymore, thinking that I'm tougher than the sun. Such a great callback. Yeah, that's one of the most <laughs> iconic tweets. As soon as, you, as soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Thought about it. Not tougher than the sun. Yep. Nobody is. That thing's pretty tough. Anyway, what do we, what do we got going on today? Well, uh, we're going to start it out as always with a little bit of MLB news. So, uh, you know, not great news for Padres fans during Sunday's Padres and Rockies game, third baseman, Manny Machado, he's, he suffered a sprained ankle when he kind of stepped on first base awkwardly. The slow move of the ankle roll was just disgusting. I thought it was like, like a Dak Prescott situation, but they did x-rays. They're negative. They don't think he's going to be out long-term. Um, and the, in the short term, though, they called up top prospect C.J. Abrams, interim manager Ryan Flaherty was being a little cryptic in his pregame interview, not really saying like, you know, he thinks Randy's going to be fine, but there's not like a concrete timeline. It's not on the I.L. yet. But uh, this is interesting now because the Padres have dipped below first place. They're now in second. I think they're a half game behind the Dodgers in the NL West. But, you know, this just adds to the drama of what might be the most interesting division in baseball. Do you think the Padres can keep pace in the NL West without their MVP third baseman? Oh man, it's, it's tough with, uh, without Toddy too there. That's, I mean, those are two superstars you're missing. Manny saw some stats, Manny. I mean, Manny's played more games or as many games as like, I think it's him and Goldschmidt over the past four or five years. Like that dude's in there every day, grinding it out. So I, I don't, <clears throat> it sounds like he's not going to go on the IL now, but you know, that that doesn't mean he's not going to miss five or seven games. I, I can't imagine he's going to play today. Oh, well, they're playing right now. I'm sure he's not playing, but I can't imagine he's going to play in the next few days. That looked that looked bad. I, I for a second I thought it was his knee or something. Um, but I don't know. Keep up the pace. They, they had a rough series in Colorado. Colorado, something about Colorado, man. The Padres don't play well there. Uh, Dodgers, I know we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. Mookie, Mookie goes down too, so that you know that might help a little bit. But the Dodgers, I think top to bottom in that lineup right now have, you know, can sustain that or uh, weather that storm a little bit better than Padres can. Uh, C.J. Abrams coming back up. 
you know, not great the first time around. I mean, skipping AAA and everything like that. And he's a young kid, so totally understandable. But that's a, it's a lot of pressure to put on to put on him to expect him to fill in for Manny. I mean, come on, Manny. I think he's leading the league in WAR this year. Uh, I don't. I don't think he replaced Manny. Um, that whole that whole lineup's just going to have to step up and and really, I mean, do a lot, honestly. So we'll see the pitching. I, I mean, we'll talk about this too. Their starters, Joe Musgrove has been flat out phenomenal. Darvish has been phenomenal. I think they, he gave up a, a run in the first. I think I just saw uh, right now, but the pitching's going to have to pay. Every, the whole team's just going to have to pick up Manny for how, however long he's out. And, you know, with him and Tatis out, that's, that would be tough for, for any team for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's MVP front runner, Manny Machado. He was batting 328, 12 bombs, a four wins above replacement, which I think now it's like third in baseball um, behind Tommy Edmond and somebody else. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you can't really, you can't hope to get that same kind of production of anybody else, but you're right. Everybody else kind of has to pick up the slack a little bit. Guys like Luke Voigt, Profar. Um, but what do you think the fact that they didn't put him on the IL immediately? What does that say about the fact that like they think he can bounce back quicker than I guess the 10 days? It's 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 always a tricky situation when you have a guy like that get hurt, but not, you know, just a broken ankle or something like that right away because you don't you don't want to miss a guy like Manny or Toddy for any more games than you absolutely need to. So they did it with Toddy last year too. Like it, it might've been seven days, but you don't want to put them on the IL and cost those extra three games because shit, at the end of the year, you, you lose the Dodgers by two games. That could, that could be the difference. So Manny, my guess would be they probably give it today tomorrow, maybe another day, like, and just see how it's progressing. And if it's getting worse or staying the same, maybe they, you know, they say, all right, we're going to shut you down for the next week and we'll retro it, retro it to yesterday or whatever day that was. But they're, they're going to do everything they can to not put him on there. And Manny has a say in whatever they're going to do. Obviously, if he can't play, he can't play, but he's tough dude plays all the time so if he can be out there you know best believe he's gonna he's gonna be out there even if they can stick him at dh or something that might be uh you know an option for them now and instead obviously you miss his defense at third base but probably rather have that bat in the lineup than than nothing at all so i, I think uh and as far as the flash thing with the the cryptic messages that's Coaches, you know, they're obligated to talk about the, the injuries and stuff now. But I don't think any of them like doing that. You know, like they they want it's all it's it's not the same as the NFL where like you don't want to tell because that's more physical, like if anybody's banged up or whatever, but you just don't you don't really want to talk about how your players are feeling at the end of the day. It's it's funny. It's just like whenever as soon as you said that, I'm like, well, I'm just glad it's not hockey because that's so like upper or lower body. It's that just pisses me off in hockey where it's like, all right, what's wrong with them? Well, it's a lower body day to day. It's like, aren't we all day to day if you think about it, you know, at a deeper level? Um, but yeah, that's that's such a great point though because you're right. Like guys like Bryce Harper, like he he I think it's like his UCL or something. Like stick him at DH. 
like guys like that, like yep. you, you still get the bat in the lineup and, you know, you, you take your chances with them running the bases, but yeah, they, they definitely want to keep him in the, the lineup as long as they can. Um, but you touched on the Dodgers and that was the other big injury that we had in baseball. So I think it was like last Wednesday, Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger smacked into each other in the outfield. Uh, and Mookie ended up, um, I think he broke a rib or fractured a rib and he's just be out for a couple of weeks. They don't think it's to be that, that long, but I mean, first of all, like when, when they, they said after the, the collision Bellinger and Betts, they're like, yeah, it was loud. People were cheering. We couldn't hear each other, like call each other off. And we just kind of ran into each other. Has that, has that ever come close to something like that happening in, in your outfield playing days? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, it gets loud. There's no doubt about that. And you can be as loud as you want. And sometimes it doesn't matter, but I think you just, uh, you start to have a feel for what they, well, depending on how long you play this, play with somebody for what the other guy's going to do. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it can definitely happen. I, I've been lucky enough to, to not have it happen, but yeah, full speed running into, into somebody else like that is not fun. Uh, I think, uh, I'm sure they were too, man. It's, it's sometimes that crowd is, it's just, it's just too loud. You just, it's, it's hard to tell what's, what's going on, especially I, I didn't see the play, but you know, uh, a lot of the times when a ball is just hit in the air and it's fairly deep, if it's a packed stadium, they, the crowd thinks it's a homer or something and they just, they get really loud right away and shit happens. So uh, hopefully Mookie's, Mookie's all right. That I, I think I saw cracked rib, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. I don't know if that means fractured, whatever, but uh, hopefully he's back soon. Great player, but they, uh, Outfield collisions got to stay, got to stay away from them for sure. Yeah, you're right. I guess I never really thought about what the definition of cracked versus fractured versus broken is. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's tough, but they did. Uh, the Dodgers made uh, another move. They traded for Clay Thompson's brother again, Trace Thompson. So, uh, you know, shout out the Thompson family. What a run that family has been on when, when in the NBA, NBA finals, you know, Trace is back with the Dodgers. So uh, yeah, but you know, does you think that kind of levels the playing field in terms of the NL West right now? where you have, you know, the Padres lose a Manny, the Dodgers lose a Mookie, like in terms of the next week or so, does that, do you think that kind of balances everything out? No, I don't, because I think the Padres were already at a disadvantage without Toddy being there. Uh, the, you know, the Dodgers have the rest of their lineup intact. So I think the Dodgers have the advantage now, especially the way Manny's played this year. But I mean, Mookie, was on a tear for a while there too. So uh, losing him definitely hurts. And I know some of the other Dodgers regulars haven't played uh, to their, to their normal standards up to this point, but I think, uh, I think advantage Dodgers right now for sure. And this week for our fudged up moment of the week presented to you by our sponsor fudge kitchen, the original fudge kitchen, that is fudgekitchens.com with an S, fudgekitchens.com. They are shipping fudge and other sweet treats all over the country. Our Jersey Shore Philly listeners, go check them out. They have stores in Wildwood, North Wildwood, Sea Isle, uh, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City, and Cape May. So if you get a chance, go check them out. They're phenomenal. I was actually on the Instagram page two nights ago. 
and I really wanted to order stuff like right now, but I don't think it would get to Japan. So the first thing I'm doing when I go back home is definitely getting some of that. It looks, it looks unreal. I got to stop. I got to stop looking fudge kitchens with an S fudgekitchens.com. Jay, what do we got? All right. So our fudge up moment of the week this week, it goes out to, so during Sunday night baseball, uh, I love Sunday night baseball. We've talked about it a bunch, the mic'd up from last week. So it was the Astros and the White Sox and the Astros rookie, JJ. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I think it's Medicevich. 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 I apologize. Uh, so he hit his first <laughs> career home run, uh, you know, minute made to Crawford boxes. And there's a 16 year old kid named Ryland Freeman caught the ball. They cut it like, you know, a little bit later, there's an Astros employee going over to the kid to try to talk to him, trying to figure out like what we can get to give him to give, uh, get the ball back for our guy, JJ. And then we learned what the deal was. So they cut him a deal for six Astros tickets, six BP passes, like field passes and a Jose Altuve signed baseball. And we're like, okay, that's cool. And they send Buster only out there to talk to him. And the very first thing the kid said was like, yeah, I really wanted a Justin Verlander signed Jersey, but they told me no. And then. I'm just like, wait, what? Is But there's more. He really wanted a Yuli Gurriel jersey after that. They also told him no. So they had to settle for a Jose Altuve baseball. Twitter's going a, a, a firestorm. They're roasting the Astros. Like, why can't you give the kid a jersey? Like, he caught the ball. Give him what he wants. I fired off several tweets in the, you know, the same sentiment. And then we learned a little bit while later that Verlander found out about it, probably through the TV. He signed a jersey for the kid. But the fact remains... But that like 20 minute stretch where we're just like, you couldn't give the kid a Jersey. I mean, like he caught the guys the home run ball. Like it was just like the worst PR thing that could probably happen for the Astros outside of the cheating scandal. But like, it was just ridiculous. But I, I we were talking about this earlier. Like, you know, we, I think this kid might've hired Scott Boris in that interim to try to like work out that <laughs> deal. He's a master negotiator. Dude, I listen is it, is it hard to get an autograph? Like, I'm sure Verlander or Guriel or Altuve would have signed something for the kid to, you know, get Matajevich his, his homer. I, I believe that was his first hit as well, not just his first homer. But I'm sure they would have signed whatever to get him that ball because, you know, that's, that's a big deal. But I will say that kid is a master negotiator with those tactics because he – I dude – Six, six tickets, six BP pet, like all that. That's a lot of stuff for that home run ball. Like it was JJ Manajavich's first hit in homer ball. It wasn't Barry Bonds's, you know, 500th homer or something like that. It was, it was a guy's first hit slash homer, which is big deal, but that ball's not worth like, I don't know, whatever, however much money that, that is total. So Good for the kid getting all that stuff. Good for him using his platform on ESPN to, uh, you know, get some more leverage out of his negotiation position. But uh, yeah, man, that's crazy. Just just for reference, when I when my my first homer in Seattle, uh, the guy who caught it, I believe I can't remember exactly, but I either gave I either signed him another ball and we traded, or it was like a ball and a bat that I signed and gave to him, and he gave me my ball back. So that's. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, yeah, it's just he used the power of, you know, a live national broadcast and Buster only. And uh, it was yeah. it was just like when I first heard about it, it's just like you can't. What's a jersey? A hundred bucks. You can't do it. You can't. You can do a hundred bucks and a signature. Get, run down, have JV sign it real quick. I mean, that was just ridiculous. So uh, I guess it's a little different, too, because he was a, that was in Houston. 
and he's an Astros fan. Mine was in Seattle. So who the hell cares about the Cincinnati Reds in Seattle? Probably not those guys who caught my ball, but good for the kid. Smart guy. Got a future in uh, somebody, you know, be an agent one day and uh, <laughs> good for the Astros for, for getting it done. Congratulations, JJ. I had, I had some conversations with him on first base in the minor leagues last year. That's awesome. Yeah. That's it goes, goes to show you, you know, a little bit of everybody around this league. He's uh, a fun fact for you. Uh, I believe he went to TCU for college, but he is from originally right outside of Pittsburgh. So that's how we got to talking. He's like, you're a Pennsylvania guy. It's like, yeah. So yeah, there you go. A okay. In my book. And any Yinzer is <laughs> a friend of mine. Uh, I love that. So that was our fudge step moment of the week. Uh, a couple of really quick ones uh, to finish up before we get to our interview for this week. We have the guest performance of the week. And that goes out to, once again, our guy, Java Joe Musgrove. Seven innings, nine strikeout victory last week against the Cubs on the 16th. Uh, I looked, and MLB.com does like a, I think it's like every couple weeks or so, a Cy Young poll among the writers. They had Java Joe in first place. They had 17 first place votes for him. So uh, I think he might be on the COVID IL right now, but it's it's a strong season for Joe Musgrove. He's, man, he's, I say this every week, he's, he's just been flat out phenomenal. There's nothing else to say. He's dominating. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's back out there soon. And, uh, yeah, man, he, he's, he's just been, he's just been great. No other way to, no other way to put it. He's just been great. I saw a, a tweet that should make, uh, my fellow pirates fans a little aggravated. Uh, and it, they basically said all the pitchers that the pirates have had that have gone on to have major success. Tyler Anderson is eight. No Joe Musgrove's now eight. No Jamison Tyon's eight and one and Garrett Cole six and oh, so that's tough. That's rough right there. But I'm going to throw this in here because I thought this was really cool. You know, Father's Day was was Sunday. As you said, uh, the kid from the Pirates, man, Jack Sawinski, three homers, including a walk-off with his dad in the stands on Father's Day. Man, that is uh, – that's that's unbelievable. What a, what a game, first of all, and to do – you know, to have that on that on that day with his dad in the stands, uh, man, that's that's just really cool. So, congratulations to him. That I thought that was was awesome when I saw it. I think he was he one of the guys that they traded for for Frazier. Was he a was he a Padre for Frazier? Yep, he yeah. was a he, he was a Padre. He was yeah he uh, I I think he was in Double A or even like High A. But yeah, he's uh, putting together a side. I know he's got a. Uh, I think he's I think those were nine, ten, and eleven. I think he's got eleven homers now. But yeah, man, that's a uh, what a special moment that must have been. And just a yeah, little cool caveat I had to throw in there. Love that. All right. Uh, we have one last thing for everybody. We're going to do our top five for this week. Before we do that, we have to clean up last week's top five for top five ballparks and baseball. Uh, as according to our Instagram stories poll, so head over to Breaking Bats Pod on Instagram each week to vote on this. Last week, Brian edged out uh, myself 55% to 45%, although I would like a recount because I don't know if I trust some of that polling. Uh, so Brian took home the crown last week. Uh, Brian, how do you feel? I mean, the, the Petco Park love runs deep. The pet, I, I, you know, a lot of our fans are, are Petco Park people. However, I was not playing to the to the crowd. I was being honest. Petco Park is beautiful. You know, you. I think you were just a little biased from from two of your your teams there in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. However, those are very nice parks as well. But uh, you know, I just. Uh, I just have my 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 
finger on the pulse of, uh, of the fans. I took home the crown in our, our first one, our top five guys you like to have your back in a fight. So I, I have that one. So I guess we're going to be tied one-to-one. Uh, yeah, like I said, head over to Breaking Bats Pod on Instagram whenever we post those. I'm going to try to maybe uh, top five Fridays. Maybe I'll do that as our, as our day of the week for all these um, to vote nice. on those. But we have one for this week. It is going to be the top five best baseball movies. Uh, you know, this, I already know this one's going to become contentious on the internet because movies are very subjective. But these are my top five baseball movies. <laughs> so here, here goes. I'm already not confident about how the results will turn out. Five through one. Um, number five, I'm going to start us out with Little Big League. Uh, it doesn't get highly ranked in anybody else's uh, top baseball movies, but I watched that movie. I think I broke the VCR uh, watching that, that movie so many times. I think I broke the VHS tape. So Little Big League, he runs the Minnesota Twins. Number four, the Benchwarmers. I can't. Ooh, one. one of the funniest baseball movies of all time. Uh, it's just, I can quote the entire thing from top to bottom. Number three, I'm going to stick in that same kind of genre. I'm going to go with Major League. Another fantastic, hilarious baseball movie. Just a bit outside. I mean, you could just, there's a thousand <laughs> quotes from that. Uh, number two, it's going to be 42. The Jackie Robinson movie with Chadwick Boseman. I, I really love that. It's, it's so cool. Just the story and the way they shot it. And then number one. The best baseball movie, according to Justin, is going to be Moneyball. Moneyball. This movie, it's fantastic. He gets on base. Scott Hatterberg, like the O2As, <laughs> like it's it's the coolest baseball movie. And it's just, I can watch it a thousand times when it comes on MLB Network. So that is my top five. Uh, and Brian, I, I, I didn't give you enough time. I don't know. Did I give you enough time to prepare for this? What, what is your top five? Yeah, we're good. I First of all, you got some good ones in there. Um, you know, 42, uh, you can't really, you, you can't go wrong there. I was trying to mix it up a little bit with mine. So we're going to start, and I can't believe you left one of these out, but it's my number one and it's my real number one. But anyway, number five, we're going to throw a little, little curveball in there. Hardball, old school. What a movie, man. The Cucumbas, great movie. Shout out to them. Sad movie too. But that's my number five. Number four, I don't know how many people have actually watched this. It's on Netflix. It's called Screwball, and it's about the steroids. You haven't seen that? Never seen it. That's your homework. That's your homework assignment for now because you'll love it first. It's about – ends up mostly being about A-Rod, but it's about, like, Balco and that whole thing on the steroids then and everything that was going on in Miami and all the connections through there. Great one. Hilarious. The dude's a little weird, but – Good one. So those are five and four, three money ball. I, you know, just, uh, it's, it's interesting. The acting acting's great. You know, you can't go wrong, but classic money ball is good. Number two, major league. I mean, has, it has to be in there. You don't really have a choice. Like you said, you can quote that movie all day, every day. And then number one, the Sandlot. It's gotta be, it's gotta be the Sandlot that I watched that movie so many times when I was a kid, bang the jet, stealing home, the beast, smalls, Wendy Peppercorn, all of it. It's just, it's the best. Gotta have the Sandlot in there. That's uh, it's just my childhood. So that, that, that's my top five. I'm sure these are going to get shredded apart and we're going to get yelled at on TikTok and all of our other social media, but this is what we're going with. 
I already can see it. Like there's already like the classic ones, like how do you not have a league of their own in there? Like, or a field of dreams. Like the, the problem oh. with baseball, the problem with baseball movies is, is that they don't really make that many of them. And with, most of them, I feel like we're like in the eighties. And so like, I'm, I miss that. And also like, I like funny movies and like, you know, field of dreams isn't really a comedy. So uh, it's, it's tough. So yeah, I already know movies are the most objective thing. So please rip us to shreds on everything that we post this on. Uh, we'll take it, you know, we'll, we'll take our comeuppets, but yeah, please let us know how you feel about it. Yeah, I already know these, these comments, this, this is gonna be rough. I feel, I'm self-conscious about this already, you're right, but we'll see what, we'll see what people say. And, uh, but for our interview today, we have Dietrich Enns, my teammate here in Japan, uh, former major leaguer. Uh, I was with the Rays most recently last year, uh, was with me at the all-site there the year before. His, his wife, I went to high school with his wife. We have some weird connections. We talk about all that in there. Uh, great guy, great pitcher. Uh, originally debuted with the Minnesota Twins. And, man, just a phenomenal story. Went to indie ball, worked his way back. Uh, just a really good dude. A really got some nasty stuff. Uh, doing really well over here. Um, has a showdown tomorrow with probably the most famous pitcher in Japan right now, Roki Sasaki. Um, so that should be a good duel right there. Uh, and I know you enjoyed talking to him too. He's the best. Yeah. It's just like guys like him that have had to work so hard to get like, you know, and yeah, they have to work so hard for every opportunity and it's cool that he's having so much great success in Japan. So hopefully he does well enough to come back to the major leagues at some point. Um, you know, I, I think he's positioned himself well for that. So, uh, yeah, just a great guy and a great conversation. Yeah, man. So we'll send that over to our interview with. Cebu Lions pitcher, Dietrich Enns. And today on Breaking Bats for our interview, we have my teammate here in Japan, Dietrich Enns. D, really appreciate you coming on. I know uh, you're a very busy guy here getting ready for your big start tomorrow. The showdown, actually, between you and Sasaki, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm excited. Uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get a, a win tomorrow. And, uh, you know, Sasaki is a, he's a phenom. Um, so it should be exciting, but I'm sure the stadium will be packed to see him pitch, not really to see me, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it'll be a good time. They'll be packed to see you too, man. Come on. You're going to dominate. We already know that, but <laughs> we'll, uh, before we get into everything, we'll, we'll go to, to how we met first is usually how we, we sure. start this, but me and you have a, have an interesting one for sure. So Jay Dietrich married his wife, Julianne, um, went to high school with me, actually. So she's a uh she's a year younger than me. Dietrich's a year older than me, I believe. And uh yeah, yeah. So I played with her brothers, Joe and John, in high school. And Dietrich met her playing in double A, which is Trenton, which is not far from where we grew up. And he was living there right in the, in the off season or you were yeah, coming to I visit. Think, I think at the time that we met, uh, we, Julianne and I were still dating and we met at an LA fitness. Uh, you know, I was working out with her and her brothers at an LA fitness and her brothers were like, you got to meet Brian O'Grady. He's, he's another professional baseball player as well. And I was thinking kind of in the future of like, you know, if I end up 
you know, get, getting married and, you know, living here, I'm going to need a place to train. So that's when we kind of like started the conversation um, and just got to know each other a little bit. And it's kind of crazy how we've come full circle and now we're on the same team playing in Japan. <laughs> it is. And that, I don't even remember, did I, did I tell you about PDS then? Is that how it happened or did you find them on, on no, your own? No, that's when you... T- that's when you told me about them because I needed a place to go throw and work out in the off season when I was visiting Japan or visiting Julianne. And then, uh, and then we ended up, uh, I ended up going there for the last few off seasons and it's just been, been awesome. The guys at PDS, Dan and laser and Chez are all, all great. And they, they've really helped me, uh, you know, advance my career and, you know, help me improve, make, make improvements. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to those guys, man. They are, they're good dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know I haven't been there anymore, but they definitely helped me out and I had a good time there and, uh, yeah, man, yeah. I'm glad it worked out for you. So yeah, Jay, I told him that. And, uh, so that's where he's been working out. So that's how we, yeah, ori- <clears throat> originally met, uh, and then kind of fast forward. Um, that had to be God, what year was that? 18, 2018. Yeah, that had to be the in the off season of 2018, yeah, maybe, maybe 2017, 2018. Yeah. Maybe, geez. But fast forward. Um, I end up with the Rays. COVID stuff happens. Dietrich was in indie ball at that time. Yep. Yep. I was playing in indie ball. I had started the year, you know, before COVID with the Mariners in, in spring training and then got, got released during the, the COVID purge and everything and so I needed a place to play so I went and played uh indie ball for the summer and then uh got picked up by the race shortly after that and that's when we met up again you know the purge that's a it's a good way to put it the COVID purge but uh mm-hmm. yeah so uh I were at the alternate site at the race and somebody was like yeah we just signed another guy that's coming Dietrich Dietrich ends and I'm like shut up no way <laughs> there he goes Dietrich's there so, and I know we said this in one of the other podcasts, but when me and when we were talking with Nate Lowe, JA, about the loaded alt site, Dietrich was a guy that I forgot that was right under my nose with me here in Japan. And I already, <laughs> we said it on the next podcast and I told him, but so he was there too, for the record. And then after that, I believe, uh, well, did you, did they sign you to a one year? Was that, was that a two year deal or you re-signed with them in the, in the off season that year? So it was a two-year deal. So it was the, the remainder yeah. of the 2020 season and then the following and year, the uh, 2021. Yeah, so. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah so good. after that, uh, Dietrich, you know, we, we went all around that year. And the next year I, I signed with the Padres. Dietrich was still with the, the Rays. Made it back to the major leagues and we're going to talk about all this, but yeah, made it back to the major leagues with the Rays. had a, had a nice season um, when he was there. Fast forward again, season ends. I see on, you know, uh, I, at this point, at this point, I, the the Padres had uh, DFA'd me. So I was a free agent and was in talks with our team here in Japan. And uh, I believe I saw on trade rumors on Twitter, you know, Ray's release Dietrich ends to pursue, you know, opportunity in Asia or whatever. 
So right away I see it and I message him. I'm like, tell me you're going to Japan or I don't know. I said like, where are you going or whatever? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm going uh, to a team called the Cebu Lions. And I was like, shut the fuck up. So am I. And uh, so we, yeah, we talked for a while about that and, you know, it was not, none of it was like official official yet, but uh, then they, they came out and said that they'd signed him first. And then a couple of days later it was official and they came out and said that they had signed me. So, uh, you know, we talked a lot in the off season and now here we are playing together somehow again. And, uh, so that is, that is our connection. It's been a wild ride and yeah, we've been, <laughs> we've been together in Japan now for, for this whole time. And we're on a little bit different, different schedules. Dietrich being a starting pitcher that's, uh, they just do it a little differently here. So we don't spend as much time as probably we would in America together on the same team, but still see them a lot. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's just kind of a crazy story how, how it's all worked out. Yeah, it's crazy. Baseball is a funny game. It'll take you uh, a lot of places and you meet a lot of people and, you know, <clears throat> running into you a few times uh, throughout the, our careers is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty special. Yeah. And now on top of all that, Jay, they live, he, you know, they just bought a house um, right by where I grew up. So Dietrich lives 10 minutes from my parents and I live <laughs> 10 States away now. And, uh, <laughs> but so now it's funny cause we could talk about all the, you know, Bucks County things going on and he's, yep. Uh, yep. he gets it. So it's, it's just a, yep. a yeah, it, it's funny stuff, man. It, it really is. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So enough of me blabbering Jay. Go ahead, hit him with the uh, – let's get the, the question started about his, his interesting real career and not just uh, about me and him. Absolutely. I had a great time doing the research for this episode. It's, I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, so I, I was going back and I was looking, and, and, you know, you went to college at Central Michigan, fire up chips. Like, mm -hmm. you know, going back all the way back then, like your, your numbers in college were fantastic, and even you carried that into the lower minors. Like – what do you think allowed you to have the kind of success you did uh, going back to college and in the early minors then? Yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me was I had really great coaches um, growing up and, you know, throughout high school and uh, in college um, and then just getting into the minor leagues with the Yankees, they had a great, uh, great pitching coaches that I had and just really, uh, you know, was every, every step um, and level up that I went, um, I felt like I, you know, got better coaching and uh, just tried to learn as much as I could and continue to perform at the highest level at, that I could. So um, the biggest thing for me was just, you know, just going out there every day and trying to, trying to put up zeros and, you know, trying to, tr you know, on that pursuit of making it to the major leagues. Cause at that time, you know, when you're 20, 21, 22 in college or in the lower level, you know, lower levels, you feel like you're pretty far away from the big leagues, but you know, in reality, you know, you're, you're a couple good months of just getting called up to double A and then, you know, get a couple good months from there, you know, you could be called up to the big leagues at any time. So that was always, you know, my end goal was to try and just make it to the big leagues um, and uh, just going out there and trying to work every day. Now, are, are you more of a velocity or a stuff guy? Because like, I feel like, you know, you know, it's hard to be both. And, and was there kind of a point in your, your early pitching development where you had to like make a decision on whether you're going to focus on training for velocity or movement? Yeah. So, um, I've kind of, my career has kind of spanned through the whole, um, you know, started before the kind of the weighted, the weighted ball era. And now we're kind of in that velocity era where, uh, throughout college and in the lower levels in the minor leagues and getting, you know, even up until about, you know, 20, 
19, I was more, you know, 90, 91, relied on my change up and, you know, locating pitches. So that was, you know, kind of my bread and butter and what I tried to, you know, really focus on. And I was always working hard, you know, in the weight room and in the off season to try and build velo, but I just felt like I, it, something wasn't clicking. And um, so then, you know, fast forward a few years to about 2019 off season, um, is when I started working on weighted balls and that's when I went to like PDS and really started working on some mechanical things. And they, you know, they've been so instrumental for me of, you know, just finding that what I needed to build, uh, you know, a better mechanical and, and just get, just get more efficient with my mechanics. So uh, finding some flaws that I needed to, to fix and just going out there and um, then that really unlocked some velo for me. And so then all of a sudden, I'm throwing 94, 95, 96, and then I'm in the big leagues last year, you know, topping out at 97. And I just never thought that I could get there, but I, I knew I had it in me, but I just needed some of that unlock uh, mechanically. That's so interesting. You're right. Because I feel like there is this kind of like massive shift in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years in terms of velocity and the weighted ball. Like, were you watching other guys around you do that kind of stuff? And d- did you like kind of get envious in a sense of like, Oh, if I just, if I do this, this, and this, I can throw 97. Yeah. I tried to not compare myself to others, but at the same time, I, I looked at my, you know, my arm speed and I was like, you know, I felt like my arm speed was there. Um, but I just couldn't figure out exactly what, uh, why I wasn't able to throw as hard as some of the guys that were, you know, upper nineties or even mid nineties at that time. Cause I was, you know, anywhere from 89 to 92, 91. And so, uh, really just trying to break down the video. Um, like I said, the guys at PDS were really instrumental with, for me, um, just finding some flaws with, you know, just better, you know, hip shoulder separation, uh, you know, movement quality just improved. And that really unlocked something for me to just have my arm just be relaxed and, and free and, you know, just be as efficient as I could mechanically. I love that. All right. I have a really, really fun thing that I want to talk about because I saw that you played in the Cape Cod baseball league way back when, um, and mm-hmm. I love that league because I've seen the movie summer catch about a thousand times. They just replay it on MLB network a lot. And I've always wanted to ask somebody who's played in the Cape league about like what that experience was like. So like, when you think back to that time in the summer on the Cape, like what kind of memories stand out for you? Yeah, that was a amazing summer. Um, just going from a, a small school in central Michigan, just be getting the opportunity to play in the Cape is, is special. Um, went there and played for the Hyannis, uh, Harbor Hawks and they were formerly the Mets. I think that might actually, Oh no, Chatham is the move is from the movie, uh, summer catch, but, uh, um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome just to go, um, in new England and spend the summer there. You have host families and, you know, they show you around and I lived, uh, about a five minute jog from the beach. So, uh, would just jog in the morning to the beach every morning with my roommate and we would stay at the beach for a couple hours in the morning. And then I'd go to the field and play the games at night and at that time I was a reliever so I would pitch you know just out of the bullpen um and actually had a summer job where I would do the grounds crew for the field so before the games I would be uh <laughs> you know m- mowing the lawns and and talking the lines and doing the mound and everything so like that so that was that was pretty cool you know one guy was the clubby he did the laundry and you know I did the you know just to make a little extra cash on the side so it was, it was pretty fun and uh get to you know explore the cape on all days uh there's so many places to go and so many really cool beaches and the, the food is amazing there so it was really a, a special summer that's awesome brian did, did you ever have an opportunity or like was that ever like 
you know, a thought in the back of your mind, like you wanted to go play summer ball up there or even just like seeing the movie summer catch. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to, I don't really know. Uh, I never got the opportunity to, I played in the NECBL, which is new England college baseball league all three years, uh, which was great too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wasn't good enough or we just didn't have good connections to get me there. I see a ton of Rutgers guys there now. So I, I think at the time, maybe we just didn't have the right connections, but Similar stuff, man. I loved, I loved my time there. I played in Vermont for two summers and I played in Keene, New Hampshire for a summer, which was phenomenal too. Um, and same when you're with college summer ball, man, it's, it's a little bit of a grind when it comes to the grounds crew stuff, because we were pulling the tarp, man, when it rained in Vermont, I would get so mad because the tarp, dude, the tarp is so hard and we'd be all out there trying to put the tarp down. Oh man. It's just a, it's just a debacle. And, uh, they would text, you know, <laughs> text people in like the morning to see who could come like pull the tarp off or like put it on or whatever at like eight 30 in the morning. And I just, you know, didn't say it. Sorry. Sleeping in, but yeah, man, the summer, summer ball in college is, is a lot of fun. It really, it's just late. It's more laid back. Uh, it's still, you know, really good competition and, and, but it's, it's just a different experience than in season college ball. What, what do you guys think is the biggest benefit to doing those kind of like extra, you know, kind of off season baseball leagues and even going into like the pros talking about like winter ball, like what do you think the biggest benefit to those kind of extra baseball things are? Go ahead. Yeah, for me, for, for me, uh, playing in the Cape and then even the summer after my freshman year, I played in the Northwoods. So those two experiences for me were um, huge for me just be, because with the Northwoods, it's more of like the minor league field where you're playing every day. You're taking the bus trips, you're staying in hotels. Um, so you kind of get up your foot in the, you know, um, you dip your toes in the water with like of how it, the minor leagues feel. And then with the Cape for me, it was just being able to prove myself against the, the best competition in, in college. So knowing that I could go and compete against those guys, that's when I really felt like I could get drafted and play professionally. So that was, that was huge for me. Same thing for you, Brian. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree with that. It's uh, for, as a hitter, it's different because you go and you, it's, it's wood bat. So you get to use the wood bats and you get to kind of just get more used to that. Um, but it's definitely, I will say for me personally, like my summer after my freshman year, my coach in Vermont was the first person, honestly, who got me to understand timing in hitting. Like I had, I, I just had like no concept of it for whatever reason. I was just a good athlete and kind of just like competing, but no matter what my coaches at Rutgers at the time were saying to me, I just, it just wasn't computing like in my head I had to like swing the bat faster somehow to hit dudes who were throwing harder until I got the to Vermont my my summer and yeah changed some things up and really started to to take off from from there so it was huge for me uh yeah the competition I mean you're just playing against a lot of good players and there's, you know, there's scouts around and, and you're getting used to, yeah, the bus trips. And, and I know the Northwoods is some serious travel. The Cape, I believe is not too bad in terms of travel. I think all of them are pretty close to each other. Yeah. By our yeah, standards. You take school buses, you take school <laughs> buses and we were in the middle in Hyannis. So the farthest, uh, you know, 
bus ride we had was about 45 minutes one way or the other, but most of them are 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. So in the new England league, we were going Vermont, you know, a little bit out there too. I think uh, mm -hmm. Sanford Maine was the closest one to us. And that was like, they were way out there compared to everybody else, but we would bus two games and then back after the game, never stay unless we had some like back to back, maybe once or twice in the summer where they were, they were far away from us, but close to each other. And we'd stay in a hotel. But you know, when we would go to Danbury, Connecticut, I was like four hours each way, four hours to the, to the game, play the game, four hours back to Vermont. So that's it. I mean, that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. I don't really know how we did that. I definitely couldn't do it now, but back then. Yeah. So it just, it gives you that taste of uh, grinding through it. And, and, but the people there love it too, man, that they, there's not, there's not too much else going on in those towns. So they love the, the baseball games and, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I for sure want to go up there and see some Cape Cod summer league baseball at some point. Um, Diedrich though, going back to you for a second, like I looked and, and it seems like throughout the course of your career, you've always been super flexible in terms of like your role, like starter reliever, whenever you need it. Like, how are you able to be that flexible in terms of like still being able to start when you have to keep your arms stretched out? Like, how have you been able to do that so long? Yeah, that's just something for me that I've always kind of had the knack for. I feel like at a young age, pitching was pitching, no matter if it was the first inning or the ninth inning, um, you know, and you just get that experience um, the more the more you do it. So, uh, you know, in high school, I was primarily a starter and then you get to college and I was kind of like a little bit longer guy out of the bullpen for most of my college career. And then, uh, getting into pro ball, I started out as a reliever and then got bounced back to the starting rotation. So you just learn how to do both and what you need for, for each one. Um, you know, whether that's the routine of a starter on a five day or six day rotation, or, you know, in Japan, it's a seven day. So you still have to learn, you have to learn a little bit, uh, um, just so the routine of what you need you know, each day. And, and as a reliever, you just got to be ready to go. So if, if you put too much importance on one out or one inning at a, and then, you know, it'll be a little bit tougher, but for me, I just think pitching's pitching no matter when you're in there. So that's uh, trying to just keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. It's definitely a good way to look at it. I mean, I know it's harder as a pitcher with you know, the arm, you know, the arm stuff. I don't know how you guys do it with how much you throw anyway, but <clears throat> I think having that flexibility, obviously eventually, once you got to the Rays, definitely helped <laughs> because uh, mm -hmm. their philosophies there. You were a perfect guy for that. But before we go there, you know, you're with the Yankees and you're doing well. How'd you get to the Twins, first of all? So it was uh, the first year I got protected uh, by the Yankees. I was on I was on the roster. And then uh, right after the, uh, the All-Star break, um, I got traded at the deadline. Um, 2017 it's just Yankees was a tough team to uh, crack into the big leagues at the time and uh, you know loaded uh, with a lot of the guys that are still there today um, and then you know I got traded and got an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues with the, the, the twins shortly after I got traded yeah I think the, the Yankees are one of those teams that are it's always hard to crack the, the, big, the big leagues with them because they can have the ability to go buy just about anybody they want. But so you get traded there and you get called up in August of 2017. Let's hear the, uh, the call up story and, and what you remember about that day and how awesome it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, getting called up was, uh, 
you know, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I had just gotten traded. So it was a little bit different. Like um, I had just gotten traded to the twins. So I didn't really know anybody in the big leagues or in AAA. Um, I'm sitting uh, inside doing the chart because I'm supposed to pitch the next day in AAA and it's a day game. And the pitching coach comes and, and tells me, in the seventh inning of that game, he's like, you're done doing the chart. You're going to the big leagues. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? Cause he was, he's always joking around. So I was like, what? Like, so, so I immediately just start calling everyone that I can and it's a day game. So everyone's at work that I know and you know, nobody answers the phone. So I'm like calling everybody multiple times, like, you know, like, you know, pitching. So, uh, you know, I had to get on a flight later that night and it was just, it was in Milwaukee. So, which was really cool because I'm, I grew up in Chicago area. So, it was only two hours from home and I had probably 30 or 40 people come to the game that day. The next day, you know, I was, I was starting. Uh, and uh, so I get to the park and I don't really know anybody in, on the twins. And I go into the manager's office, Paul, Paul Molitor was the manager at the time. And uh, you know, he's, he's like, congratulations. He's like, when's the last time you swung a bat? And I was like, man, it's been about 10 years because <laughs> I didn't hit in college. I didn't really hit much in high school. Like after my sophomore year, um, just, you know, st just was strictly a pitcher. So it had been a while. So, uh, you know, he's like, all right, we'll probably just have you bunt, uh, you know, and if nobody's on, then you can swing away. So first at bat, uh, struck out trying to bunt. And then second, second at bat actually, uh, you know, got a fastball that I, put a terrible swing on but uh you know just be, uh, beat an infield single out and so I got a hit in my debut that was uh, probably the most memorable nice. my debut and just having all my family and friends there was really really special that's phenomenal <laughs> in your in your AL for your AL team in your big league debut I love that I seen him <laughs> handle the bat this year too uh JA I think I'm pretty sure he got down a bunt uh, in the interleague games, I could be wrong. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll act like he did. No, if he didn't. De definitely, did. <laughs> definitely didn't. <laughs> it was a good attempt. Hour, he looked, looked like a hundred. <laughs> it uh, he looked like he could get it done. Then we'll say that. Well, but uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Jay. You take it now, man. So. So after your first start, like what happened after that? Like, I know, I know you got a second one. Like, did you think like in the course of like your first one and going into your second one, like, did you think that this was going to be a, like a longer and extended stint or like, what was your mindset? Like how long potentially you could stay up there? Yeah. So I thought I was, you know, going to be, you know, in the rotation for the rest of the year because it was mid August. So getting it, get a kind of an extended look that they would, you know, they had just traded for me. Um, but we were short on pitching uh, a couple days later and uh, they asked me if I could pitch out of the bullpen. And uh, of course I was like, yeah, of course. So then they're like, all right, we're going to use you in an emergency only situation. Um, and then, you know, planning for you to start in a, in a couple days. I was like, okay. So then come out of the bullpen, you know, I'm then I have to pitch and I hurt my shoulder in my second outing out of the bullpen and had like a little, impingement in my shoulder and uh you know a slight like tear in my rotator cuff and but it was I just rehabbed it and so I was really trying to fight back and you know that's the last thing you want is to get hurt on your second outing in the big leagues and you know I wanted to prove to the you know the twins the twins organization that I could pitch at the big leagues and you know be healthy so I was really trying to fight back and in rehab but you know that kind of cut my season season short and uh 
and then uh yeah it 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 was tough for for me and then it was just after that was just trying to to fight uh to to keep my shoulder healthy and also to prove that I could pitch you know get back to the big leagues throughout the course of all that did did you make any kind of like mechanical adjustments to your windup I, I think I read that you you changed something pretty dramatically and it, it like improved your your pitching right yeah that's when uh after the 2019 season, I had had a tough, tough year in AAA in El Paso. As O'Grady knows, it's a good place to hit and uh, not a good place to pitch. And so I really had uh, some really tough starts there and, you know, did some almost uh, some soul searching of trying to figure out what I needed to do to be successful again. Um, Cause I felt like, you know, my stuff was, you know, deteriorating a little bit. Like my below was going down. I was getting hit around a little bit. So that was the off season where I, uh, worked on mechanically to, to get that efficiency and really just try and improve my hip shoulder separation improve my arm speed, did some, started with some weighted balls and that's where the velo started to kind of creep back. You mentioned something earlier about kind of how you and Brian had this like serendipitous kind of like running into again. Did you also have a, like that kind of same thing with your buddy Lewis head that your fellow, uh, you know, wasn't there like a story where it's like the Mariners were going down the list of people that they didn't, you know, didn't want to bring back. And could you kind of tell that story of you guys' relationship and how that all kind of happened? Yeah. So, so me and Lou kind of have similar journeys of being in the minor leagues for quite a while and then kind of breaking through with the Rays uh, last year. But we first met with the Mariners in 2020. We were um, both signed as minor league free agents, uh, not to big league camp, but we were on like the early, kind of spring camp for the minor leaguers and we were backing up big league games as uh, a lot of guys do um and we were catch partners that that off or that uh spring training and then COVID hits and um you know we kept in contact of you know how each other was doing and everything and then um when the mariners started cutting guys uh at the end of may during covid uh, I texted Lou and I was like, Hey, I just got uh, released. Uh, but you know, we were both hoping we'd be on the 60 man roster for the, for the summer. And, uh, you know, I texted him, I was like, Hey, I just got released. Like, you know, you know, best of luck to you and everything. And he's like, Oh, they haven't called me yet. So, so maybe, you know, I got, I got a shot still. And then 15 minutes later, sure enough, he, he texted me back and was like, Hey, I just got released too. They must be going down the list of alphabetically that they're starting to release the, the older, you know, minor league guys and everything like that. So, then fast forward to the uh, off season of 2021, I, I was with the Rays after playing indie ball and he gives me a text and he's like, Hey man, just sign with the Rays. Like see you in spring training. And I was like, Oh, let's go. Like, you know, that, that's awesome. And then sure enough, like he, you know, kills it last year and uh, has a great year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got to meet him back up in the big leagues uh, later in the summer. So that was really cool to, to get to, to be teammates again and just kind of share, share a story together. I love that. Yeah. Once I read that, I just thought that that was such a really cool like moment, but like, you know, going back to like, you know, the indie ball situation and trying to figure out like where your life direction was going to head at that point. Like, you know, nobody really wants to think about the day that their career's over, but like, you know, when those thoughts did creep into your mind, like what was your kind of plan and how did you kind of navigate that whole mindset? Yeah. COVID was hard for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And, uh, I, 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 kind of took the mindset of once I got released, I, I still wanted to play. So I was still throwing every day, not knowing if there was a future ahead. Uh, you know, had had some talks with my wife about, you know, should I go play any ball? Should I just hang it up and start getting a job? So 
you know, cause you can't, you can't just think about yourself any, at that point when you're married, you got to think about your, you know, your family and your future. So that we had some conversations and she, she, you know, she was like, you know, we're good for, for the summer and you, you know, you should go play uh, indie ball. And so I was like, very thankful that she had that attitude too. And because I wanted to keep playing, but I didn't really want to, but at the same time I was willing to stop playing if, you know, we needed to, uh, you know, support each other for the future, but, you know, went to Indy ball and, you know, had a good, uh, good summer, uh, good couple weeks there. And, you know, really that's when the race saw me in Indy ball and then the kind of the rest is history with the race. That was, that was really awesome. That's uh, Julianne. Thank you for that. Otherwise we'd be, uh, yeah, absolutely be alone here over, <laughs> over here in Japan now. Yeah. I'd say that was a, that was a good decision, but that's such a good point, man, because it is, it, you know, it's not just about you, but obviously that was the right decision and you're doing great <laughs> and supporting each other now. So that's, that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. That was a cool story about you and Lewis head. I didn't know that either. That's uh that's, that's a, that's a good one, but so you get to the raise. What was your, uh, you get to the alternate site. What was your first, you know, thoughts about being there? Were you just happy to be back there or you were like, this is kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was super pumped because coming from indie ball, like anything's better than, you know, than that. So like, it was, I was like probably a, a breath of fresh air for a lot of guys because, you know, they had, you know, like you and some other guys were probably like, you know, the dog days of, uh, of August in Port Charlotte is probably not the, the best place to be. So I come in there and I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. Like, <laughs> I think the first outing I had, I got a 115 mile an hour line drive off the leg from Josh Lowe. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so that, remember was like that. The all, that was like a welcome to the alt site, uh, moment. And, um, but no, it was, it was a loaded, uh, alt site group with the race, just seeing the, the amount of talent that was there was unbelievable. And I was like, man, if I could pitch against these guys, I can surely pitch the big leagues. Like these guys are insane like and so it's just great to come into a, an organization that um that knows what they're doing and uh you know has a plan for everybody and it's you know but it's a very uh, like simplified approach and really just kind of puts you on the right track to have success so couldn't have been happier to to join the race that summer and really just kind of be with them for the couple of years that I was what was the biggest thing being with the race that they taught you from a pitching standpoint, because we've had, you know, we had PD on here, Fairbanks, and he kind of gave us his little thing. And obviously the reputation the Rays have in terms of, of pitching and finding guys um, who like basically nobody knows and they put them out there and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Cause he's nasty. What do you think they gave you that helped you the most in your time there? I think the biggest thing for me was just giving me the confidence that I could go out there and do it just as long as I'm, you know, throwing strikes, uh, you know, when I, when I fall behind or I'm walking guys or things like that, that's, you know, and any pitcher can say this, well, you know, they're not going to have as much success, but they have a great way of just simplifying it for the pitchers out there and, you know, to trust your stuff and just, just go at the hitters with your best stuff and attack hitters. And I, I continue to have that mindset uh, each and every time out. I feel like I've, had a lot of success doing that. So that's something that uh, I can thank the Rays and, you know, thank the coaching staff there. They have a great, great group of coaches there. 
Absolutely. I mean, we've talked all about that 2020 Rays alternate site and just like how loaded that roster was. Um, did you feel like pitching to those guys for the, the brief time that you did back in 2020? Did you feel like that kind of gave you a leg up in terms of like, you know, I practice against these awesome guys. And did you, were you able to like carry that into the next season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, cause going into spring training the following year is the same, same group of guys that was there the previous year. So, um, you know, we were kind of in it together and then, uh, I started the year out in Durham and, you know, that team was loaded as well. We, we ended up winning the AAA national championship last year. And you, you could just see, and you could just see the team, like, you know, from the previous year that went to the world series in 2020, they brought back a lot of the same guys and in AAA. And I think down the minor leagues, every, almost every, uh, affiliate won their league won the championship and then the Rays won a hundred games. So it was just a loaded, a loaded roster, a loaded minor league system. And um, you, you see guys getting called up uh, all the time and just have immediate success. So I felt like I could be one of those guys too. And then uh, getting the opportunity to go up there, they, they do a great job uh, in the big leagues. Uh, you know, Kiermaier, uh, he's a great leader in the clubhouse and, you know, makes you feel welcome. You're not uh walking on eggshells around in the big league clubhouse. Like, you know, everybody feels like is telling you that you belong up here. And so it gives you the, the freedom and confidence to have success. So it's really, really a great uh, organization and, and clubhouse group of guys. So I couldn't be more thankful. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I remember your, your time last year on the Rays. You had so many great outings. I, I remember you had a great one against the Orioles. Um, is there like one outing that kind of stands out above the rest uh, from 2021 with them? Um, I think the coolest one I had was, uh, my first win in Detroit, uh, is kind of just a really, really cool to, um, pitch there. Um, cause we played there in college. Um, we played against Michigan state. So getting this to, to go back to Michigan, but also just because my parents were there, uh, you know, there's been so many games and road trips where they've come and, you know, I was pitching out of the bullpen. So they'd come for three days and I'd pitch the day before they get there and then not pitch for the three days. So like they've been to so many trips uh, where they didn't even get to see me play. You know, they just stay in a hotel and kind of just explore some random, random city. So to get my first win with them in attendance, and then they got to come on the field and take a picture and everything like that was just really cool. And Detroit is about four hours from Chicago. So they just were happily to make the drive. So that was, that was really cool. And I mean, just, just every, every, every day you're in the big leagues is, is a gift. So it's really, it was really special to be in the big leagues that, you know, um, so it was really, really cool. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, you had a fantastic 2021 take me into those conversations after the season ended. So like did Tampa show any interest in, in having you come back for another season? And when did the possibility of coming to Asia really come into play? Yeah, there was talks actually uh, in the middle of the season when I was in AAA that, you know, there, you know, there was some, some interest there uh, either Japan or Korea. So that was kind of in the, when it started in the back of my head. Um, but then playing, finishing the year out in Tampa, uh, you know, it was obviously, you know, wanted to stick with Tampa, you know, with that group of guys and, you know, they had a bunch of injuries, so they, they weren't, they weren't, there was no guarantee that I would be back, uh, with them. So that's when Japan came in the picture and it was an opportunity and, you know, it was one that I was interested in going to Japan and really wanted to have that opportunity and, and take full advantage of it. So that's when we we decided that that would probably be the best for, for the following season. 
I love that. I mean, did, what did you know about like, like playing in Japan before you actually went over there? And I'd all ask the same question to Brian. Like, did you know like guys who had gone over there in the past or like, what was kind of like your impressions before you actually went over there? I had had a few uh, previous teammates that have, had played in Japan and uh, some had success, some hadn't. And, you know, I tried to rely on those guys and ask as many questions as I could um, to get the kind of a clear picture of what it was like over there. Um, and some guys had played over there pre-COVID and during COVID. So really tried, uh, you know, try to weigh the, the pros and cons of everything. And, it, you know, ultimately thought it was the best decision for, for me and my wife to go over there in Japan and play. And um, it's been great. You know, nothing, you know, it's been, you know, what I've, what I've expected from the baseball uh, aspect and, you know, we're getting to, to, uh, to live near Tokyo. It's been really cool. Yeah, I'm the same way. Just talk to talk to everybody, but I think it's just there's just the whole view of baseball, especially in Japan, but in Korea too. Like it's just changed in recent years. Guys who have come over here and had success and have gone back to the major leagues and had success have kind of like bridged that gap that people thought there used to be between United States and baseball here. And now like, you know, Dietrich will tell you this too, like, especially from a, a pitching standpoint, some of these guys I see here, I'm like, like these guys are fucking nasty. Like they're, they're really good. There's a lot of really good pitchers here and there's some really good hitters too. But I think uh, especially from a, a pitching perspective, like you're facing guys with serious stuff like Dietrich and like, the Japanese guys uh, over here. And it's so as a hitter, man, I, it's, it's the style is different, but I think it's making me better overall because of the, the different things I'm exposed to here. But Dietrich and, and Julianne has been here for most of the time uh, with him. They're a little more adventurous than I've been. He's gone out and seen a bunch of stuff and they, they've done the, the touristy things and things like that. And he's got a little more time on his hands than I do uh, being a position player, but uh they've been taking full full advantage of all that which i probably should do a little bit more but um yeah man it's it's been everything that i think we both we both expected so far yeah i mean so i mean brian talked a little bit about like the differences like coming over as a hitter like as a pitcher like what have you noticed like stylistically wise between guys hitting in the mlb and guys hitting the npb yeah, definitely. Um, I get, uh, it's the, the guys in the big leagues, you know, they, they have some power and there's definitely guys in the MPB that have power, but it's a lot more, uh, with the fundamentals of moving runners and, you know, building up the pitch count and, you know, battling and, you know, not trying to strike out, uh, you, you know, you can get your strikeouts if you get ahead, but really if you make good pitches, uh, you can get these guys out quicker, um, by having them put the ball in play. So, um, but these guys are, these guys are tough at bat, so they'll make you work if you don't have your, your stuff that day. So it really helps you focus. And, and like Brian said, I, I think, uh, it's making me a better, um, you know, well-rounded pitcher on, you know, you know, being able to rely on, you know, not just, you know, blowing a fastball by a guy, but, uh, you know, trying to throw your off speed for strikes and, you know, throw it in fastball counts and, um, 
just make make the ball move and go different directions. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just trying to learn the hitters as well as I can and uh, just trying to execute as well as I can. And um, for sure. Brian's talked about like in the past, like how like the practice schedule is a lot different playing over there. Like, have you noticed that same thing as a pitcher? Like, what can you tell me about like the preparation differences between the, the both leagues? Yeah, so the biggest difference I think for as a starting pitcher is you pitch once a week. Um, I've been pitching on Sundays, um, but now it's we I'm pitching on Wednesdays. So, um, but so you, your routine changes in that sense that you're 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 throwing once every seven instead of once every five. So you give a little bit more rest. And uh, as a starting pitcher, uh, two days after you pitch, you're just off. You no know, matter if the team has a game or not. So that's been kind of kind of cool and kind of nice to be able to like do some exploring, um, on those off days. And then, um, you know, really just trying to, to, to find when to work out, when to throw your bullpen, when to like, when you feel good, you know, you have more days in between to, to really push it. So that's been really nice. And the recovery aspect has been really, really good too. And another difference is as a starting pitcher, if we're not pitching in a road series, we don't travel on the road with the team. So there's a lot less traveling going on than in the MLB um, where, you know, you're traveling on the road trip and you're, you know, you're with the team in the dugout, whereas the starting pitchers, you're not in the dugout um, that day. If you're not pitching, um, you're only in the dugout the days that you're pitching. So I don't really see Brian as much as like we would, if we were playing together in the States. Um, and uh, so the day when we don't travel, we just go and practice with the minor league uh, team, which is next door and uh, practice in the mornings with them and, and kind of keep, you know, so we're on our same routine. Hey, that's, that's the once a week thing's crazy. I mean, Brian, what, what, what can you say about like trying to, you know, maintain a longstanding friendship with a guy you can barely see? <laughs> Dude, it's, it really is. It's crazy. I, I did not think it would be that way. Uh, so, and it's funny because I think, I don't know. I think most of my home runs have come when Dietrich is pitching somehow. <laughs> so maybe if he's in the dugout a little bit more, I'd have some more home runs, but uh, it is nice when he pitches to, you know, I talk to all the position players as much as I can. Like I'm friends with all of them and I like all of them, but it's not, I can't just have a normal conversation with them without my translator in between us saying stuff, you know? So it is nice when Dietrich's there and now Jansen Witte, our other uh, American position player is back uh, from being hurt and, and rehabbing in the minor league. He, he just came back the last game. So it's nice to have that guy there to, to just talk like little stuff, you know, uh, you forget how nice it is to be able to just normally communicate with, with somebody and not have to worry about any of that. So it's, it, it's definitely been weird to, uh, to see the schedule that, that Dietrich is on. Cause it, it is, it's just, it's, it's so different. And I know it's probably, it's cool for him on one hand, and I'm sure at the same time, it's a little weird because he's not in the dugout for every game. And you're just, that's something you're just so used to as an American baseball player is being there and, you know, supporting your team and, and whatever. But I know he stays, they stay and watch a couple innings and uh, things like that. But it's good for him too, because his wife is here and they can spend time together and do other things too that aren't just him at the baseball field. So, I know it's uh, 
it's a good thing for him too. So I'm, I'm happy for him, even though I'm out there grinding <laughs> every day. I'm happy he gets, he gets his nice rest. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's de- definitely been different not being in the dugout for, for nine innings every day and being at the field for 12 hours a day, like you're used to. Um, but getting, you know, it is nice getting to uh, spend some time with Julianne away from the field and, uh, you know, still watching, keeping, keeping track of the guys every day. So, I mean, like that has to be like cool and like comforting though, to have like guys like Brian and Jansen and other guys from America come over. Have you found that like, you know, it, it's been like a nice, like change of pace to have, you know, a guy you can have a full conversation with and just kind of experience the same things you're going through together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, whether it's going out to eat with, with the guys or, you know, just talking to them in the locker room or, uh, in the dugout, it, it's, it's been great. Um, just like, you know, any other teammate, teammate relationship, uh, you know, just getting to know them and, uh, you know, with the Japanese guys, uh, there's a few guys that speak, you know, really good English. And, you know, so I'm trying to learn as much Japanese as I can on the side too. And so I can communicate with them because, you know, they're going through the same stuff we are and, uh, you know, they're a great guys. So just getting to know them, you know, makes, makes life easier at the field. And, you know, the communication can only, uh, help, uh, with, uh, the performance on the field, I think, whether it's as a pitcher catcher relationship or, you know, pitcher with the, the infielders or is O'Grady with the other outfielders too, and stuff like that. So um, I think it's, it's, it's been a smooth transition and, you know, our translators are great for helping us out with knowing um, what's going on, whether it's the, the schedule, the, the routine of things, or just where we need to be when we need to be there. And, uh, or just, you know, having a conversation with a, a teammate that doesn't speak English, uh, you know, it's, it makes it really, uh, really easy and uh, seamless. Yeah, they're they're phenomenal. I don't want to I don't, don't want to act like our, our our Japanese teammates aren't aren't great to talk to or anything like that. That's not what I was saying at all. They've been nothing but helpful. Yeah. Our translators are they are they are amazing. Honestly, without them, man, Machi is Dietrichs and helps me too. Kobe is is more my guy, but uh, they're. I mean, without them, I, they're just, they're amazing. They really are. They're so good at their jobs and they help us with literally any, I mean, anything. So I'm very thankful for those guys. I know Dietrich and and everybody Mm -hmm. is very thankful for those guys, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's different when, uh, you know, it's funny too, for me, because obviously, like we said, Dietrich, I've known him for a little while and Jansen, I've known Jansen for a little while too, just from playing against them. So it's uh it's funny when, uh, you know, you just, you've known somebody for, for a couple of years and you can talk to them about whatever. So that part is good too, but yeah, overall, man, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's a grind for sure. And I've been frustrated as hell. Some, some of these times and I'm sure Dietrich has too, but, uh, I know we're both mm-hmm. enjoying it and, uh, yeah, man, but we'll let, uh, We'll get close to wrapping it up here. I know all J.A. has left is his, his uh, standard rapid-fire questions for you, and then we'll, we'll let you get out of here and get ready for uh, for the big day. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, playing in the minor leagues, like I, Brian and I have talked about this, but there's always these great, like, promotions, like Robinson Cano just had to do, like, SpongeBob Jersey Day. Like, is there, like, a favorite and a least favorite minor league promotion that you remember being a part of? Um, uh, I think my favorite was, uh, the, 
the El Paso uh, margaritas, they would, uh, we, we wore these like all yellow uh, uniforms that were hideous, but they were hilarious. And, uh, but after the games, they'd give us margaritas in the clubhouse. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> so that was, that was a really cool uh, uh, promotion. And um, oh, least favorite. I don't know if I have a least favorite. Um, I know I played for Rochester and they were the garbage plates and that was, you know, famous in Rochester. Um, you know, I never had a garbage plate, but it looks like an interesting, uh, interesting meal, but, uh, we would wear the garbage plate uniforms. I'll have to look that up. That sounds fantastic. Uh, garbage I mean, plate. wow. Real quick, Brian, does anything <laughs> like where we're talking about like old Meyer league, like, you know, promotions, does anything stand out for you? I'm pretty sure I was talking shit on the margarita jerseys like last episode on there, but that was more because I, they are out. They are outrageous. The, uh, the highlighter, but you know what? My real problem with those jerseys was not the jerseys was the pants because you had to wear their, their highlighter pants. So like most of the time in minor leagues now guys take their, you know, the majestic brand major league pants and either like cut the piping off them or, or whatever and bring them to the minor mm-hmm. league affiliate. So that's what we had in El Paso, unless we were wearing the uh, margarita jerseys, which the pants were Wilson, which just, they, they're not as like stretched. They're just not as comfortable as the majestic pants. So that my real complaint was that I had to wear my pants down and they were pretty tight. And I felt like I had restricted movement there with, uh, with the margarita jerseys. But Gotta have the right pants. I will say, Gotta have the right pants. The uh my this is my the tough the tough days of promotions in the minor leagues are the like random middle of summer eleven a.m. kids days where it's just like eight thousand kids from summer camps in the area and they're playing like the SpongeBob theme song every inning and it's just like a lot of screaming going on, a lot of II captains, and it's just really hot. And it's just a, it's just a, it's just a tough morning. I'm got to be honest yeah. about it. I think I have about a 12 ERA during those 11 a.m. games, so <laughs> I'm not, not, not a fan of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! It's fantastic. Um, so I, I, I think I read like during 2020, like, did you, did you re-enroll in college classes to try to get your degree? And, and if so, ha- are you able to finish your degree? Yeah. So, uh, Northeastern university has a great, uh, partnership with MLB, you know, players and former players. So they, you know, they take your credits from whatever college you went to and, and you can finish online and they kind of plug you into a major that's similar to what you had and, so during 2020, during COVID, I had all this free time. So I started going back to school and actually just graduated this May. So, uh, you know, just kind of started chipping away uh, each semester and got, you know, six, you know, six credits or nine credits every semester and just tried to try to do uh, do it in bunches that was uh, manageable during the season and in the off season. So, uh, yeah, actually just finished and, you know, I'm happy to be done and, you know, uh, you know, very thankful for northeastern for this program because it's it's a great program for a lot of guys and i know some some you know former teammates of mine that are you know in the same program as me you know going through their 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 schooling so at the time too i think they were like 
one of the only schools that did like online. And now I think with COVID, a lot of uh, universities have started to adapt with the times and started offering more online classes. But uh, I, I would have at the time finished with Central Michigan, but it was just, uh, you know, they didn't offer the, a, a great online program at the time. So Northeastern was just a, a better option for me. That's fantastic. Well, hey, congratulations on that, by the way. That's that's really, really cool. Thank What's, you. What is your like dream job post playing career that you'd love to use that degree you used or obtained? Yeah, so my degree was business management. So learned a lot of like leadership and management um, skills and, you know, did dealing with marketing and, uh, you know, finance too. So that was uh, definitely something I'm interested. Uh, but uh, I growing up, I always wanted a job in baseball, whether it was in front office and, but now being a player, you know, for, you know, for this many years, I feel like that helps uh, definitely uh, with the background of becoming going in the front office that's still it still interests me but you know still trying to play baseball as long as I can and uh you know but a, a front office job would definitely be uh something that I'd be interested in the future Gosh, that'd be amazing so like we Brian and I were just talking about like saving pieces of memorabilia like we just talked about the rookie from the Astros he got his first home run ball back like do you have like a couple of your favorite pieces of memorabilia from your playing career um I have a few that are you know, in my parents' basement somewhere, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, but one, one cool thing that I, I saved was my, uh, my major league debut Jersey, uh, got that framed and, you know, gave it to my parents as, uh, you know, kind of like a thank you for helping me, you know, get to this moment, you know, they've supported me, you know, my whole life and, you know, whether it's, you know, booking me flights or, you know, hotels and taking me all these places that, you know, they've, they've always supported me and, in playing so that that's probably one thing one uh, piece of memorabilia that, that is really special i love that uh so i mean we've had justin sue on this podcast before and going back to your days in tampa mm -hmm. was there just like an interaction or a conversation that you guys have had that, that's like still sticks with you yeah i mean he's he's everywhere on the field like whether it's during bp he'll just you can just you know grab him and have a conversation or you're sitting in the cafeteria and he's just asking you know, what's what's going on and uh man, he's, he's the best, uh, you know, just, just talking to him. He, he, he gives you so much confidence, like, you know, with what you're doing and, you know, it's, it's definitely part of the, the raise model that, you know, everyone's there to like help you succeed at your job and be the best that you can be. And he's one of those guys that, you know, you, you always feel better about yourself and you, you know, what's going on in, you know, the day-to-day -day grind of the baseball season. So he's, he's been great to talk to, um, whenever you need him, he's always there for you. I love that. All right. I just have two more quick ones. Um, throughout the course of your career, is there one hitter that you've always had his number? Like that doesn't matter the situation, the inning doesn't matter. Like, is there a guy that you've owned throughout the course of your career? Man, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I, I don't know if I have uh, the memory for, for one guy in particular. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's a guy here in Japan that I just can't seem to get out. And, uh, you know, he's a tough hitter. So, you know, hopefully I'll uh, figure it out eventually because I'm sure I ha I'll have probably three or four more starts against uh, some of them. So, um, so, but the last year, the is Red that, Sox. Who, oh, what's that? Who's, is that uh, from uh, Oryx? What's his name? Is that who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, Yoshida. He's Yoshida. A yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's tough good out. He's this he's this lefty that's got some some pop, and uh, you know he doesn't swing and miss very much. And you know even if you throw a good pitch, he, you know he's he's getting the bat on the ball. So um, he's he's a tough hitter. I don't. I, I, there's not too many guys that I know that I I can think of that I just like 
you know, have had success over and over and over again, because I'm always facing different hitters. So there's not too many that stand out. Gotcha. Okay. Well, this is my last one for you. Uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of um, advice that I've ever received was, would probably be, you know, just be yourself and have fun out there. Um, you know, the more you can have fun in this game, yeah, I feel like the, the more confidence you'll have. Um, so really just going out there and enjoying the game and realizing that it's a game, uh, you know, you know, it takes a lot of the stress and the pressure off and you can just, uh, you know, go out there and have as much fun as possible. And obviously you want to have, have the results and the success. Um, but I think that comes from, you know, having fun and, and, and being, um, you know, just, just getting the most out of your abilities. I love that. All right. That is all I had. No doubt, man. Dietrich, thank you so much for, for doing this, man. I know, you got a busy schedule this week, getting ready for, for your, your day of the week tomorrow. Um, man, it's been a blast that you've, your story's great. Our little connection's great. And now here we are. So I, I know people are going to enjoy this and just thank you for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. The sun.